Welcome to the Dear Rochester Retire Well Podcast with David Pulsini from Six Point Financial Partners. In this podcast, find your path towards a brighter financial future with David as your guide as he helps individuals, educators, and healthcare professionals explore ways they can build wealth while minimizing risk using a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to personal finance. Are you ready to take the first step towards a brighter financial tomorrow? Let's get started. All right, folks, we are back by popular demand with Alex Neary, CFP. Alex won't admit this, but he's had the number one episode on our podcast two times. Thought we'd bring him back in to cover some frequently asked questions, some FAQs that we are getting from people. Alex, how are you today? Dave, I'm great. And it is amazing that there are people that would like to listen to me talk about finance. That's awesome. Yeah, I guess it doesn't say how long they actually listened to it. Maybe they just clicked on it the most. Ah, who knows, man? Right, um, goodbye, everybody. Let's start with this, Alex. Let me, let's tell the people what the questions are that we are going to answer today. And if they don't like the last couple, they can turn it off and we won't waste their time. But folks, here are the questions that we're hearing a lot of right now. And I'll ask you this at the end, but if you guys like the frequently asked questions and then the answers to them, I'd be more than happy to continue doing this sort of recording. But the first question is, should I change my investments because of the markets? We are going to jump into that one. The second question, is there a place to put my cash that can actually earn some interest? We have a lot of people that are holding on to cash. They don't know what to do with it. Third question is, can I still retire? Guys, can I still retire? Or another way to ask that is, are we going to be okay if I retire with the markets the way that they are? And I've lost some money due to the markets. And then the last question we'll cover is, should I pay off my mortgage? I get that all the time. And I know there's some folks out there nodding their head right now. But Alex, I'll I'll take the first question, jump into that. And that question again was, should I change my investments because of the markets? I love that question. And I would say that for me, I don't know about you, this is the most asked question that I've had in the last six months by far. I've been through several down markets in my career. And this is always the most asked question when the markets start to drop. Okay. And here's my answer for non-clients, because I know what my clients have. I know what they have going on. But if I have somebody ask me at a party or I have a friend that we're at a function or an event or an establishment, or the nice way to say it is an establishment or a kid's sporting event, whatever. My answer is, I have no idea if you should change your investments because of the markets. And I don't want to answer the question with a question, but in this case, it has to be true. And here's why. Here's an advisor's thought process behind when somebody asks, should I change my investments because of the markets? I have no idea. What is the money for? How long before you need the money? Are you taking the proper amount of risk for you? And what about these markets actually makes you nervous? How much can you take out of your current investments and never run out of money? When is the absolute best time to take Social Security? Are you 100% confident in your investment strategy? Are you paying too much in taxes? Why? If something were to happen to you today, what would they find? If you are doubting any of this and would like a second opinion or to review these items, along with many more, feel free to reach out to us. You can visit us at www.sixpointsfp.com or email us at info at sixpointfp.com. Back to the show. And I know we could get into that one all day, but I know the answers to those questions. If I know the answer to those questions, I can generally give some good advice around changing your investments. If I know none of that information, it is impossible 
and I should not tell you what to do with your money. So this is like asking a doctor. I was trying to think of a good analogy for this. Like, hey, my neck is in serious pain. Should I go get a cortisone shot? They have no idea without knowing more information, right? It's the same with this stuff. So let me back up real quick and give some real examples to hopefully add some value quickly. The first two questions were, what is the money for and when do you need it? And I'll give you examples of both of these at once. If you're 42 years old and your retirement investments just lost 25%, do you care? And maybe you do. But I would argue that is very different in most cases from someone who is 65 years old that just lost the same amount in their retirement accounts. By the way, unless they are okay with it. If they know that's the risk they're taking, that's okay. But those two are typically in very different situations. So another thing, most people are generally just thinking short term. So that 42-year-old usually has a long way to go before they're going to start using their retirement money. Most people are generally thinking short term. 99% of the time, you are not going to cash out within a year and use all of your money. So try to think about these investments for what they are. And they are typically long term. Now, on the other side of it, if you're trying to buy a house or a boat in the next six months or something, you probably should not be an investment that's going to go down 25% very quickly. In that case, we should be targeting something that's conservative or a little more safe in the markets. So next question I was thinking was, are you in the right risk tolerance for you? And that's different for everybody. So what does that mean? When you meet with an advisor or you are investing, you should be comfortable with whatever ups and downs you might see based on your account allocation or the pie chart, right? So what funds you are in and the percentage you have in each of those categories will determine the upside and the downside. You might not know what that is at all times, but having a good idea would be helpful. And I'll give an example on this too. If you're 90% in stocks or equities and 10% in the safe stuff, you might have an upside of 28% when things are going well. And in a bad year, you might be down 30%. So that's your upside 28, downsides 30. As long as you're comfortable with that, you might be in the right risk tolerance, right? On the other side, if you are 90% in the safe stuff and 10% in the stocks or equities, you might see, for example, an upside of only 14%, which is much less than 28. But the trade-off is maybe it's a downside of 12. I don't know. It could be anything. We build portfolios and we show folks what that means. But just by changing the pie chart or the allocation, we can increase or decrease someone's upside and downside. Your investments should be in line with your goals and you should also be comfortable with it. Quick side note, I feel like I have to say this. Here's another thing we hear all the time, Alex, and I know you agree with this. I lost $267,000 in my 401k this year, guys. Or I made $267,000 in my 401k. Is that good? Here's the answer to that one, folks. If you had $500,000, that's very different than if you had 2 million, right? It's all relative. People should focus on the percentage of the gain and the loss, not the dollars. I know it's hard to. I get all the time, Dave, I lost 30000 My brother-in-law said he lost $600,000 last year. How much did he have? If he had $30 bucks, it's not a big deal. It's all based on the percentage. It's all relative. My last thought on this, and then I'll wrap this up. This was a long answer. Is What makes you nervous about these markets? And we hear it all. Politics being the biggest, the state of the country, inflation, taxes, and many people are just nervous and don't know why. And it's probably because they're watching the news. And I could give 20 examples of turning on the news and seeing turmoil in the markets or there's blood in the streets or whatever. That's how they sell. So if someone is truly concerned about these things and it's 
keeping you up at night. You're thinking you're going to lose it all or a lot of your money. My, my best answer is you are just in the wrong pie chart for you. And that should be adjusted. So if you're a listener and you don't know how your accounts are set up or how it will act in the ups and the downs, get in touch with a good advisor. They can help. Okay. That was a really long answer, Alex. Sorry. That was. Good job, though. Yeah, thanks. All right. Let's get Alex back on because he's the popular guy. So the second frequently asked question, Alex, is, and dive into this as much as you want. Is there a place, I'm an investor, is there a place to put my cash that can actually earn some interest? The bank rates are terrible. And again, we have a lot of people holding on to cash and they just don't know what to do. So what are you telling your clients? So the short answer is yes, there are places you can put your money where you'll get some rate of return. And with interest rates going up, it's gotten a little bit easier to get, I think, a rate of return that people would feel comfortable with. And to start, I'd like to take a look at the bank world. So we find a lot of people, this might be your experience, Dave, but I know for me, I meet with a client and they've got X amount of dollars in the local savings account at a bank that has a brick and mortar store down the road. So one thing you can look at is other savings accounts that exist out there are a lot of these kind of online banks where they don't have a brick and mortar place that you can go to. But because of that, they're able able to offer a little bit of a higher interest rate. So there's a lot of them out there. I'm not going to name specific companies, but if you do a quick Google search, you can find different companies that have a higher rate of return or a higher interest rate. Those are right now at the data recording, which is September 22nd, 2022, they're floating around 2%, a little bit higher than that. So you get about a 2% rate of return using a normal savings account, just maybe a different bank than you're used to, which if you have a substantial amount of money sitting in the bank, it's a better return than what you currently have. The main benefit of that is that if you're looking at a higher interest rate on your money, this is one way to do it where you keep it completely liquid. You're not locking that money up for any term of time compared to the alternatives, which I'll go through in a second here. And by a second, right now. <laughs> Alex, hold on one second. The If you do an online bank account, because we check this for our folks and we'll say, hey, if somebody's sitting on, I, I don't know, two, $300,000 of cash or whatever the number is, it doesn't matter. They just want a better interest rate. Many of the online bank accounts will put a couple of stipulations in place. So just be careful. And they may say, hey, listen, there's only two withdrawals per month or five withdrawals per month or one withdrawal per month. Just be aware of that if you're going to go with the online bank rate. And most people have no issue with that. They have that much cash in the bank anyway. Yeah, that's a good point. And usually it's not an issue because these are people that are not generally planning on touching that money, but they will limit how many withdrawals you can take a month, like you said. And usually there'll be some kind of account minimum, which is higher than zero. So a lot of the local banks that you go to, you can open an account with $1. Sometimes with these other accounts, you need to have at least 5,000, 10,000, whatever the number is in there for them to give you that interest rate. A quick interruption. Six Point Financial Partners is taking on new clients. If you would like to take the next step in planning your future with Dave or the Six Point team, please visit them at www.sixpointfp.com to schedule a time or reach out via LinkedIn, Facebook, or simply find us on the internet by searching Six Point Financial Partners. Okay, back to the show. So anyway, moving on to the next potential spot where you could guarantee a rate of return, you'd be staying at the same bank or staying at a different bank and looking at bank CDs, which bank CDs used to be very popular because interest rates were a lot higher. You could get an 18-month CD and get 10% interest or something like that on it. In the past decade or so, that hasn't really been a reality. Right now, if you're looking at a one-year to 18-month CD, you're probably in around the 3% range which again is a lot better than it was a year ago, but it's still not 
a great rate of return, but if you have money sitting on the sidelines that you want to get some return on, and you don't mind locking it up for a year or so, that is one potential avenue you can go down. I know from my own experience working with clients, it seems to be pretty rare that people actually go that direction. I don't know if yeah. you have more people doing that than I do, but it seems pretty unusual. Yeah, What I find is that if someone has cash, they don't want to lock it up into anything, typically. Yeah. And that's really the theme with this is you're sacrificing getting a higher rate of return for losing some control over the money or leaving some, or just losing the liquidity of the money. And usually when we think of cash or we think about the money that you have in savings, we think of it as an emergency fund or money that you might need to tap into without a lot of notice. So I would definitely urge people to be cautious that if you're going to lock up all your money into something with even a one year period of time that needs to be held there, make sure you still have an emergency fund so that if something happens with your house and you need money real quick to do that, you have access to money. Yep. And then the third category we can go into is fixed annuities. So a lot of people listening to this have probably heard of an annuity or might have some experience with an annuity. So it's important to know there's a lot of different variations of what an annuity is. The annuities that we're talking about, a fixed annuity, is pretty simple. It's in a way you could compare it to a glorified CD usually with a longer term that you need to hold it. So most fixed annuities that you're going to see are probably somewhere between the three to seven year surrender period, meaning you need to leave the money there for three to five years or three to seven years. It's also important to know that because of kind of the legal background of an annuity, it becomes a retirement contract done by an insurance company. So you have to leave it there until age 59 and a half. So if you are younger than that, you need to consider that. If you're 40 years old and you want to buy an annuity, not only do you have that three-year surrender period, but you've also now earmarked that money as an annuity. So it needs to stay in an annuity until 59 and a half. Otherwise, you pay some penalties. Now, that doesn't mean it has to stay with that one insurance company you bought the annuity through. And this might get a little confusing, but you can then exchange it to another annuity company once that time period's up. So I buy an annuity. I'm locked in at, we'll call it 4%. That three-year period goes by. Now I'm surrender free again. I can choose to go into another annuity at whatever the rates are three years from now. However, so if you're, that's the example, if you're 40 years old, if you're already in your sixties and you're past that 59 and a half, then you're only worried about that three year surrender charge. All that for a long winded way to get to right now. Again, if you're listening today and this will change, a three year annuity is going to be at about 4%. Uh, If you want to lock it up longer, for example, a seven-year annuity, you probably get to about four and a half percent. So it's not substantially different. And I think for most people, seven years is a long time to lock your money up. Yeah, a lot can happen in seven years. So Alex, I find a lot of folks right now are it's I just sold a house or I paid off my mortgage. I don't know what to do with my money, or I got an inheritance. I've got a hundred thousand dollars sitting in my bank account that's earning nothing. This is where all these things come into play. Yeah. And all of these are great alternatives for different folks. Some people might hear the word annuity and say, no way, no chance. I don't want it, but they're there for a reason. And a great example is if you're 57 and a three-year annuity is paying 4%, you're not going to take it anyway, right? Till 59 and a half and three years, surrender period goes by, you're now 60 and you've earned four to four and a half percent. It's not a bad option. So let's jump into the frequently asked question number three, Alex. You can take this one too. The can I retire? The markets are terrible. Can I retire? Or again, the other way to ask is, am I going to be okay? I think this is what people are really asking. Am I going to be okay if I retire with the markets the way that they are? 
Yeah, I think there's one answer to every question in life, and that is it depends. <laughs> I know. This is a cop out. So we get that question a lot, especially right now with where the markets are. And of course, we work with a number of clients who maybe recently retired or they're planning on retiring January 1st, 2023. And if that's their situation, they probably are pretty nervous when they look at their portfolio and they turn on the news and see what's going on. And I guess the real answer is if they've done the proper planning and if we've they've been working with the right advisor, they should still be in a position to retire on time. I think as an advisor, we're not when we build a plan for somebody, we wouldn't be doing our job if we just assumed that the market would simply go up every year. So we should be managing their money and investing in a way where they have things in place so that if the market goes down, they still have money they can access for those first few years of retirement while we hopefully wait for the market to recover. I know on this podcast before and probably more than one time, we've talked about the bucket approach and that's just breaking up money into different segments for different time periods. So as an investor, you'd hope to have your short-term bucket, which might be all the money that you need to spend in the next two to five years. Midterm bucket might be a five to 10 year range and your long-term bucket, we'll call it 10 plus years, but that's the money that it's not that you don't care about it, but you don't mind seeing the volatility there because money you're not going to touch for a long time. So if a client's taken the right approach and they've built their financial plan correctly, in my mind, there's no reason they should be able to retire January 1st as planned. And if they can't retire January 1st, it probably means that they didn't do something correct in their planning process ahead of time. Yeah, I think psychologically the buckets, and we have talked about this a couple of times, but if a, if folks know, they open up a statement, their million dollars is now... 700,000, which would be a big hit right before retirement anyway. That's for a different day. But if they knew that they had five years of their bills paid, no matter what, in the worst case scenario, five years of my bills are paid for when I retire because I have X amount earmarked into that bucket. Now, the entire statement might look bad, but I still know that five years is covered because I have that short-term bucket. That has made a lot, made a lot of people feel better over the last six months when looking at their statements, just psychologically breaking it down that way. And it makes people feel confident again, just being able to show them. And then by the way, the market in over five years, it really, there are certainly instances, but it is rarely down. And when it comes back up, what happens is those aggressive 10 plus years, that bucket takes off. And when that takes off, what do we do? We shift some of that money back into your short-term bucket. So we're always trying to keep that at five years and keep that thing full and rebalancing and all that fun stuff. So I love the buckets and I love the question, are we going to be okay? And I love the answer of it depends. I feel like an attorney sometimes when people ask that, but <laughs> totally depends. Which leads right into our next question, Alex, is should I pay off my mortgage? Hey, guess what the answer is? It depends. <laughs> so once again, it's the same folks, right? I have cash sitting there. I might as well pay off my mortgage. My cash is earning nothing. And again, maybe not. My question to the folks that are asking this question is, what is your interest rate? So if the rate on your mortgage is 4% and you think that you can earn more than 4% somewhere else, Alex just went over this, I may not pay off the mortgage, right? Because I can earn more money by holding on to my cash. I'm also a big fan, we talked about this, of having cash or liquid money, which is just money that you can get to very quickly on hand. Once you pay off the mortgage, that money that you use may no longer be as liquid. Sure, you could probably go get a home equity loan or a line of credit, whatever, but it's not like you could go get it right now, okay? So on the other hand, if your interest rate is 8% and you're earning three, maybe you should pay off the mortgage or minimally think about refinancing or something else. But my last point on this is going back to maybe the psychology part is like, how does it make you feel? 
we have a lot of folks that are just, it's not always about the money, right? It's the relief of having no mortgage debt. Maybe that's worth it to you to give up that extra liquidity or a little bit of interest. I have no idea. That's why the answer is it depends. But a lot of people just want to owe nothing. They just want to say that I'm free and clear. I owe nothing to anybody. It makes me feel great, which I completely understand. Totally get it. Now, as a financial advisor, I would say if your interest rate's four and we could guarantee you five, the very practical answer is, no, save your money and earn 5% and pay down the four like we're making money. But that does not account for the fact that you may just want to not owe anybody any money. So again, and this question, if you don't know the answer to that and you have a mortgage, just meet with an advisor that can help point you in the right direction. And again, on any of these. So if you guys like the FAQ episode, we'll call this one, reach out to us and let me know. I'll have Alex on. We'll have the rest of the team on. Maybe we'll make Alex the host if this one is the number one podcast. Again, I don't know. I love doing these. I love the frequently asked questions, but Alex, anything else to add for today? I think that's it. All right. We'll end it there, folks. For now, make it a great day. Thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Six Point Financial Partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, Private Client Services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Six Point Financial Partners or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Six Point Financial Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.